Hey guys, you stuck around for the second season. Honestly, I'm so glad to be doing this again and releasing episodes to you guys. It just felt like something was missing when I wasn't doing it. And as you know, the whole thing with COVID that sort of plagued us for pretty much the majority of 2020 sort of prevented me from actually doing this. But you know what, you got to adapt and go with the time. So now that I can't go and do these podcast episodes in person with people, having them come here, I decided to take a different direction and do them online instead. And that way we can still have those deep and rich conversations and have them recorded and then have them published here for you guys. Normally, I would like to do them in person face to face just because it's I don't know. It's just there's a there's a certain X factor to, to meeting someone in person and chatting to them about, you know, whatever the topic of interest is. But given the times and given that I want to still put out these gems for you guys, we just got to do it differently. And that's cool also. So in this episode, I actually recorded this early in the year and it's with Jules Serendipity from Tea Elixir, which is pretty much a whole food medicinal mushroom company. And I've been using their products for quite some time now. I started off with the Lion's Mane product just because of its neurogenic effects and also nootropic effects, so to speak. And then after speaking to him, I got into reishi mushroom which is like a heart tonic and also a calming more soothing type of medicinal mushroom which you i'm sure you'll hear about in this episode yeah this was recorded early in the year then covid19 struck us and then a pretty much a period of time of nothingness and really um, nothing too much happened but just pretty much buckling down and hanging in there. So just a whole lot of nothingness. Nevertheless, I'm glad that I'm releasing this episode to you now. We had such a deep and rich conversation listening back to it. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is so knowledgeable. And I coined him the master of mushrooms just because the whole conversation Pretty much 90% of it, we talked about medicinal mushrooms and also his experience and his journey with it and the different sort of effects that different mushrooms exhibit. So stuff like lion's mane, reishi, chaga, cordyceps, those are the main mushrooms, so to speak. But he goes into, I guess, other key factors and constituents of the mushroom and things to look out for when you're buying mushrooms, uh, which I did cover in my solo episode on Lion's Mane, but it's good to touch up on again and also see from a company's perspective in terms of how they tackle the arena of shady products on the market and how they set themselves apart which is really really cool and bonus points for them for being pretty much organic with all their mushroom products and also being an Australian company so I'm all for supporting local and supporting Australian companies and products so yeah we delved 
deep into the different types of mushrooms, how he started the company Serendipity Superfoods, which was a sole trader operation and how that transformed into T Elixir, which is the company that he co-owns with Dan today and how the whole principle of the company was based around them being extremely run down and fatigued how they restored their energy their jing and how the company is based around offering that for the everyday person nowadays and how to help them to restore their body back to homeostasis with these sort of holistic and whole food products that work on a adaptogenic and tonic herbalism sort of philosophy you know working with mushrooms and different roots pretty much resolving one of the main issues that people have which is adrenal fatigue and how to rebuild the adrenal system so he talks quite in depth about his experience around that and how certain mushrooms adaptogens work on those principles so you'll get so much out of this podcast episode I'm really, really wrapped that we had such an in-depth conversation. I was able to speak to him and question him on so many of those key topics and these things that you can implement to your life that will pay dividends. Without further ado, this is the first episode back into the Effortless Man podcast. I'm super psyched to be bringing it to you and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Effortless Man podcast, Jules. Thank you for having me. So let's start off with, I guess, your personal health journey and where that all started and how that sort of links back into T-Elixir and the company and uh, where, where you all started with, with Dan and where it is now. Well, it's, it's funny because it actually goes at back even further than that because really what T-Lixer centers around more than anything else is adaptogens, tonic herbs. The medicinal mushrooms obviously fall into that category quite heavily, but there are other ones, you know, like Hushawu and uh, Astragalus and Shizandra that fall into that category as well. But when I was, I was either 19 or 20, I remember actually I was living up in Kununurra and that's actually when I had my first tonic herbs i was taking and it would have been very poor quality but ginseng is another one and um it's interesting how it's kind of followed through as a trajectory throughout my life when i was uh a few years later i I would go to the the chinese herb shop with this you know really interesting friend that i had who was like a blockader i don't know if you know what that is but like no it's idea. kind of it's kind of like a hippie but like a, a, a soldier at the same time so he would kind of load up on all these tonic herbs which i wasn't really familiar with like i took the ginseng when i was 19 because i you know felt fatigued or whatever yeah but when i you know went to this this chinese herbal shop we would get like 
Lohan Kuo, which is not a tonic herb, but also like these boxes of Romania. And um, we would eat them. They're like these little pancakes. And I mean, I didn't realize what they were, but I would eat a whole box of these. So it's kind of interesting how this has just run throughout my life well before anyone even knew what these things were. I mean, I didn't really know what they were. I was like, these taste good. And, you know, but Romania is actually an incredible yin gin tonic. So it's amazing for the kidneys. But anyway, fast forward to uh, when I had basically been vegetarian at the time for about 17 years, including some stints as being a raw foodist uh, and other things besides. And I'd started up a, a small company called Serendipity Soup. It wasn't a company, it was a sole, it was just a sole operation. And I was pretty much running out of um, St. Andrew's Market and I would just go and I was interested in the cacaos and the mesquites and the leucomas and the bee pollens and the maki berries and the acai and anything I could find. I was always looking for something new. So by the time that Dan, through complete serendipity, walked uh. into my stand, um, you know, he'd been living in LA where it's just a smorgasbord of whatever the hell you want. You know, they've got like Whole Foods and probably even the 7-Elevens have things that are healthy for you. And um, yeah, he, he saw that I had certain things that he hadn't seen in Australia before which was, you know, the medicinal mushrooms being one of them. Um, and I'm not sure whether I had the, the adaptogens at that point. But where we sort of, I guess, linked up, because I'd actually told him, he, he was in Australia because he lived around the corner from St Andrews at the time, was like, oh, what, really? You live in LA? Oh, my God, can you go and, like, print out or take photos of the... There's a, um, there's a cafe which is centred around tonic herbs in um beverly hills called air one yeah and i'm like man can you go and like take photos of this and he's like oh maybe right and i didn't really hear from him but then a couple of months later or a month later or whatever he actually sent me pictures of like the all of the tonic herbs and all that sort of thing um from air one and i was like wow this is amazing but i didn't actually see him properly for another year and then another year beyond that so it was like I had to go through, I guess, more of my health dipping and also Dan had to do that as well before uh, at the time I was helping build a a juice bar that actually still exists to this day in Southern Cross Station called Home and I was sort of, I guess, in charge of the superfoods but I had a really strong interest in working with the, the tonic herbs and even though... Um, the vast majority of us sort of didn't really last there. What was born out of that was what would become primal essence. Now I was chatting to you before about um, a Jing formula. Primal essence is, um, is that Jing formula. And actually Romania was the, I knew there was another herb. Romania is another herb that's actually in there. And so we started taking this, we made it and we made it for an Australian market where it would be more like a smoothie formula and it had protein in it because it's got like brown rice and it tastes really good. Like it actually tastes like powdered raisin toast. And we basically started taking this formula and we got better. We started feeling much, much better because so many people are so adrenally fatigued that like they're, they're just so heavily taxed for years and years and years and years of stress on the kidneys and the adrenals that when you start to take these herbs, they will actually rebuild you. And so really that's what was kind of the, the cornerstone of what ultimately became T-Lixer. Because um, Dan, who 
was in a, well, is still in a band called Miami Horror. He was also had a background in graphic design. So he started designing and, and, um, and creating the, the look of, of T-Lixer. So I was still running this, you know, sole trader enterprise, but we'd made this like primal essence together. And then it wouldn't be until uh, late 2015 till we really started to go, all right, let's form a company. Like there's, you know, there's, there's something here. Let's do this. Yep. So what was the impetus for, for Dan to look into superfoods and what was the impetus for you to start the superfoods? Like, was there some sort of like amazing purported benefits that you think that people are missing out on that you could bring to the table? Um, Well, look, I think speaking for myself, I developed an interest in superfoods because I was at the time like a dedicated raw foodist and I was like watching every video and listening to every podcast. Well, not that is the head podcast back then, but like, um, you know, different things where I could just build on that intelligence and build the momentum so I could sort of stick to my diet. Not that it was difficult to do that, mm. but I was, I was constantly researching and, and learning new things. And um, I actually was involved in like fruit and veg cooperatives but we sort of as part of that were you know we had relationships to like companies like loving earth where we would get you know bulk amounts of things like mesquite and leucoma and cacao and mucca and you know so i started playing around with those and i seemed to have more of an interest in that and then over time that developed into a cooperative that I sort of formed, but where I actually found myself doing pretty much all the work. And so ultimately I started Serendipity Superfoods to, you know, turn it into a, a, a business format. But I wasn't at that particular juncture feeling particularly fatigued. If anything, I felt amazing. I was, you know, literally living off fruits and nuts and having massive salads at night and had enormous amounts of energy. And I was doing, um, like I, I think I mentioned to you before last summer, how I was, you know, getting into rollerblading and skating and things like that. I did a, a, a rollerblade, which I, I've not been able to beat because obviously it was like maybe 10 years ago or more. And um, I mean, I rollerbladed nonstop for like, I think 60 kilometers or more. Wow. And um, it was really more the soreness in my, my body, oh, sorry, my feet that actually made me go, okay, I, I think I've had enough. I, my heart felt amazing. My lungs felt amazing. I just felt, you know, like I could just keep going. So at that time I was feeling amazing. So it was really more of what more can I do to build this? Yep. But after that period, I definitely got into, you know, just eating like the normal people and, you know, getting into the normal, um, you know, stressful life circumstances and whatnot. And I noticed that my health started to dip and I just felt more fatigued. But particularly for me, I had an incredible amount of brain fog. So that's, that's I mean, that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell. And obviously what I said to you before about us building Primal Essence to kind of rebuild all of that. Yeah. For Dan, uh, he being in a band where he's traveled just like a, a, a stupendous amount, like the sort of amount that most people will never do in their lifetime and he's still doing it. You know, he told me the other day he's traveled, I think, over 500 times in an aeroplane, which is just 
Insane. Yeah. Yeah. And if you understand, like, when you're in that closed environment, you're exposed to viruses, whatever anyone else has. Even the, the minor amount of radiation as well. Oh, there's major amounts of radiation. I mean, that's the other thing. Upper atmosphere radiation, it's a huge difference traveling during the day than traveling during the night. Yep. But yeah, you're basically in a closed system where whatever anyone's got, you're getting. Whatever yep. chemicals that they're using, you're getting. The upper atmosphere radiation, um, the time lag, all these things are extremely taxing. So he was really spent and burnt and, and worn out. So I think mm. his interest in this, which developed before we met, was um, very much how do I get better and, and, um, and feel better from you know the fatigue and the um uh like allergies and things like that that he was suffering so he was he was already searching it was more just that he'd had this idea like how can we do this thing in australia and he had no idea how to make it happen because he was you know in in a place where there's there's so much abundance of information and i'm betting in some ways overload because there's obviously a lot of faddish things and you know cyclical things etc etc and yeah, then I guess he, he he ran into me, and then like over a period of time, we we built it and, and that sort of thing, and we we got better, and we we learned how to manage our symptoms. Yep. Yeah. And I guess that's where a lot of uh, people, uh, the catalyst for a lot of people is with this sort of thing is it stems from poor health, and then you have other people who want to optimize their health on a proactive sense and um, want to use these products and, you know, eat these superfoods for those reasons. So is that where your passion and and for Dan as well now lies is to be able to, to share that with as many people as possible? Is that is that your, sort of your driving factor right now? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, for me, I've kind of really developed a love affair for this is a lifestyle it's you know it's insane i I went uh traveling with another business partner of mine to wa and that's when he really got that what i like it wasn't just like oh yeah we're selling these products and rah rah it was more like wow you literally have taken up that entire shelf space with you know I'd, I'd emptied my bag and I had like bags of reishi and lion's mane and all these tonic herbs and all these supplements and, and all that sort of thing. It's very much a lifestyle. It's very much a passion, but there's certain herbs that for me, like have a very special place in my heart, reishi being one of them because people are so fatigued, so stressed, um, so overwhelmed and reishi is just incredible at boosting the immune system, but also calming the heart and as I was saying to you, you know, before we started this interview, it has this ability to calm what's called the Shen right, and develop the Shen, which is the spirit aspect of TCM and, and tonic herbalism. And it's something that we don't look at in the West. And when we can have a calmer heart, whether you want it from the physiological perspective, you know, you just want to put in your coffee so that you don't have that crash effect from the coffee or you just want to start your day with a gentle, calm energy, or you're having difficulty sleeping at night, you can have that and it will basically just settle that down. But what Reishi does and why it's been so iconic culturally, um, especially in places like China, as well as Japan, is it, it was once, along with these other herbs, but particularly Reishi, it was a capital offense to possess it. It was only right. for imperial class because at that time, the way that they govern rulership was that that the emperors they weren't just a figurehead that was ruling a country 
from a political standpoint, they were ruling the country from not a religious standpoint, um, but a spiritual standpoint. So the idea is that they needed that embodiment of wisdom, right, that comes from herbs like reishi. And the more that you consume these herbs, the more that you can bestow wisdom on yourself and shine a light for others and, and yeah, basically be a beacon for this planet. But, you know, that's obviously getting more into highfalutin aspects. But the reality is that reishi has this ability to calm you down and boost your immune system. And that's what I just see on a daily basis. People, especially young people, are getting sicker and sicker. They weren't as sick when um, I was younger. And I think it's really, really important. And unlike a lot of the things that are widely available today through marketing, people come to us on a regular basis and thank us and say, wow, I didn't think it would do that, but it, it did this X, Y, Z. Yep. And um, that's really gratifying. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do is really put the right tools in people's hands so that they can take control of their health and, and live a, an abundant life, whatever it is go that they're passionate. Yeah, go rollerblading. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or whatever it is that you want to do, really. Like if you, uh, you know... If you're experiencing brain fog and fatigue, it's really hard to be excited by life. It's just, you know, but when you have energy and health, you can do more for yourself and your loved ones. And as I said before, you can be an example, which people go, oh, what's that person doing? Yep. You know, like, what, what are they, what are you drinking? That was weird. Oh my God, are you drinking that? Like, yeah, I'm like, but you look really good and you've got like all this like boundless energy. I want more of that. And so then you can open the conversation yep. to educate them as to like what you do and they might want to then incorporate that into their life. Yeah. So that's practically the, what I call the effortless principle is to be able to have abundance of energy so you can not just take care of yourselves, but your loved ones and nourish and nurture your friendship and your relationships. So just on that, you know, since we're on the topic of reishi, I know that that's, you know, one of the medicinal mushrooms that's part of the main four that you guys supply. I had a question for you later down the track, but well, uh, since we already touched on this now, would you recommend reishi for the average person living in this modern age as the go-to, you know, beneficial plant compound or supplement considering, you know, what, what we're going through and how, how more sicker we are by the day um i mean look the the reason i brought up reishi is because for me it's got a, a particular um place in my heart the, the answer to that is twofold the first answer is absolutely yes i think everyone should be on reishi i think reishi will change the planet right like both from their immune system and from a spiritual perspective people are going to be happier they're going to be calmer they're going to be nicer to each other you know you know, we could potentially have, you know, less war and all that sort of thing. And by being more spiritually adept, you're going to be able to work with your brothers and sisters in a way that is so much more in communication. So yes, in that sense. On on the other hand, everyone's got like different things going on so that while reishi might be really good for all the reasons I've outlined, there might be people who, because it's primarily um, a, a shen tonic. It's it's a three treasure tonic. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you want me to jump into that so people understand. Yeah, just maybe it. just touch on it quickly. So so super quickly, Jing, Qi, and Shen are known as the three treasures in Chinese 
medicine and they're particularly associated with Chinese tonic herbalism because tonic herbalism is not dealing with acute symptoms it's not dealing with herbs that are dangerous it's dealing ones that you can have on a daily basis right for you know centuries like chinese have like just chucked this stuff in soups right mm-hmm. in fact like the word tea elixir is really the um, explanation that these things used to be elixirs of of health but they were generally brewed in a tea so you would have them in a, a water-based form and you would drink the tea but yeah, basically there are, um, you know, there, there are other conditions that people, you know, might find the other mushrooms more suitable to, mm-hmm. right, um, because they're more de- depleted. Sorry, I just actually, I just realized we were t- still talking about Jing Chen Shen. I got a little bit distracted. I'm sorry about that. That's all right. Um, so yeah, so these, these three treasures, Jing Chen Shen, Jing is known as the promalescence, right, which is seated in the kidneys and the reproductive system and the bones, right? And it is bestowed to you at birth. So basically, when your mother and father unite their chromosomes to form you, they give you what is known as your prenatal gene. The way that you can see it is it's like a cup of water or a vessel. And as you um, go through life, there are things that will leak that gene, which is your most precious resource. And, you know, once the cup is empty, it's over. And this is why... Uh, we need to conserve our jing and build it where we can. The prenatal jing is finite or is considered by and large to be finite. And so you want to conserve that. It's almost like your emergency ration. But you can build your postnatal jing through things like particularly herbs, but also exercise and just maintaining a stable, good, healthy lifestyle. Qi is the, the animation of that jing. I'm sure everyone's familiar with the term qi, such as like qigong or tai chi. Well, qi is kind of like energy. So if you imagine it as being that the jing is that like still water that doesn't do anything, then jing is, sorry, qi is the animation of that. So that water then comes to life. Yeah. And once it comes to life, it can then be ultimately, you know, drawn up and expressed as shen. Another quick way you can sort of understand this is like a candle. So the, the, wick, the wick and the, the wax of the candle is the jing, right? So the bigger the candle, the longer it's going to burn. The fire is the qi. So you light the candle and it starts to burn. Just mm-hmm. like I said, you start using up your jing. Um, and the light that emanates from that candle is the shen, right? Which we can all relate to, you know, from seeing biblical images and, you know, various like religious iconography where it's basically that light that emanates and that's what you're here to do on this earth. You're here to basically emanate that light. So um, certain herbs are known as three treasure tonics. So they incorporate jing, chan, shen. Now in the case of reishi, it's got a little bit of jing. It's got some aspects of qi, but it is primarily shen. You take it and it'll calm you down. Whereas ginseng, for example, is more primarily qi. And then some of those other herbs that I was talking about, like Hushuwu and Romani, are, are really much more primarily Jing, and they're Yin in nature, which means that they they nourish and stabilize a that that force to basically be to build up that reservoir, right? But more in a postnatal Jing format. But I won't get. Yep. I'll just say Jing because it yep. just makes it less complicated. Yep. Yep. So, in terms of answering your question, Reishi is great mm-hmm. for nourishing the shen and it has those that jing and qi aspect yep. as well. But someone might be really, really depleted 
and like by and large and getting back to this adrenal stress and this modern day malady generally people are depleted and they're depleted in their gene their kidneys are depleted their adrenals are messed up or worn out you know and so rebuilding that is you know really you're looking more towards something if you're talking about say those four mushrooms you're really looking at more things like cordyceps but cordyceps also has some chi elements to it as well but it's really more of a, a jing chi herb it's not a shen herb at all lion's mane is really more a shen herb actually and I, I sort of discovered that when i was in china i had like quite an experience with it which i can go into in another little bit you know, and Shaga's got like a whole bunch of aspects, but it's really more Jing and it's got a little bit of Shen. So anything that's Jing is basically is rebuilding lost energy. And that's why when we develop promalescence, we could actually rebuild ourselves. It showed that we could actually take a fatigued, worn out like system where we, we just felt like we were unable to fully function and actually rebuild that relatively quickly and feel good again. I don't know if that fully answers your question. So, would it be the reishi that would be sort of the the starting product or, or compound or mushroom to be more specific for the average person or would it be the primal essence? Honestly, I think that really depends. I, I think we need a primal essence. We needed to rebuild our jing. I think a lot of people need that, yep. absolutely. And, and I think that's like really good um, starting product but at the same time and again this is like i was saying with the ratio it being a three treasure tonic people need to calm down you know <laughs> and they need to build like internal reservoirs of jing as well i mean the funny thing is right that when you incorporate any jing sort of herbs into your diet or any jing habits you actually automatically start to you know or ev- eventually it depends person to person, but you start to cultivate chi anyway. And so you therefore start to cultivate shen. So it all goes down river regardless. Yep. So for example, if someone's really depleted in their, their kidney energy and they take just, you know, solely shen herbs, like, yes, they're going to feel calmer, but they're not necessarily going to feel more energized as much. And again, that still depends on the person, but, when you um, start to build the jing it's the foundation so yeah i suppose in a sense jing is that foundation but i really wouldn't compare reishi and and, and primal essence anyway because right. they're they're totally different things i'd take both yeah right right and you take these things at different times like one really good habit to get into is if you get up you start your day you have like you know some like some kind of like hot drink or whatever with reishi in it yeah you're going to get this calm, even energy to the start of your day. And so if you start your day by doing yoga or meditation or even just going for a walk, any of those things, it's going to kind of allow that process to be a slow ramp up for the day. And it's also going to allow your your mind and spirit to be free mm-hmm. to like come up with great new ideas or be able to shuffle through, you know, you know whatever's kind of weighing on your mind yep. it just it just basically makes um you better in that sense yep. and prior to us jumping on this interview we're talking about you know the blue zones as well and how they like to start their day is not you know jumping into an intense crossfit workout or or, <laughs> or anything like that you know what i mean they they tend to start their day pretty slow and then ease into it and then you know have 
a big part of their day being during the day and then start easing into it towards the night time so i think that could be really beneficial um just to have that that mind frame and even having a such a supplement that can help with that as well yeah well i mean you're kind of lending it that sort of idea really towards what an adaptogen is so an adaptogen is really something that allows the body to adapt depending on the circumstances relevant to the body rather than Mm. relevant to you you might be like i'm tired i'm having a coffee well if you have that coffee in the morning it's going to get you up for the day if you have that coffee at night i know there are exceptions where people are so used to it they can sleep on it but that doesn't actually change the effect on the adrenal it still messes up with your sleep absolutely it'll still mess up your sleep and even if you think you're sleeping through it your adrenals are still kind of firing and active and you're not restoring them which as i said before with jing right it's the most significant and important thing in terms of looking after your adrenals and looking after your life force because it is your life force whereas with an adaptogen like reishi uh, you have it at the start of the day and it still gives you energy because as i said it still has that chi right but that chi is is moderated by the calming effect right on your heart and your liver that shen aspect so it's going to be a calm even energy you're still going to be really functional because it works on your heart and your mind they're both meditative tools both reishi and lion's mane are considered to be like meditative tools and they were used by monks right as part of that practice whereas at the other end of the night sorry at the other end of the day at night time when you're like Mm -hmm. needing something to calm down and sleep having reishi is really good because it's going to go okay my body's ready for rest and it will act in that way to give you a you know a gentle wind down for the day and basically allow you to go to sleep yeah so we're really lucky to have these these special herbs like the adaptogens that just allow us to adapt to stress and adapt to situations so much more readily so so my take out from that is so far you know reishi the best times for people listening to take it is either in the morning or uh at night before they go to sleep is that that no you can you can have these things at any time that's that's the the beauty of the adaptogens is they allow you to be adaptable and it increases that adaptation over time you become increasingly flexible because you're working on your immune system you're boosting you know uh the white blood cell activity so your immune system is like so much more regulated and Mm -hmm. you know much more fortified against pathogens and viruses and things like that but it's also calming the system down it's it's basically allowing the system to work the way that it wants to work not the way that you're forcing it to work would you say that it's then counterproductive to have reishi if you uh, intend on going out there and having a hard workout session no you know it's funny you say that because again like that comes back to that whole chi aspect i actually had (laughs) Because I always saw reishi like that. It was like, it's a carminative and it doesn't do anything else. Yeah. And I remember someone emailed us and basically said, um, yeah, man, ever since I've been taking a reishi, I'm smashing it on the basketball court. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? Are you taking the right herb? <laughs> well, no. And that's the thing. It will do what your body wants it to do. Yeah, right. So because it's a heart herb, it's going to strengthen your heart. And it, if what you need is that more of that energy, it's going to give you that. So the calm, balanced energy is not, I'm just going to sit around and watch Netflix. It's a, it's a calm, even energy so that you can get your work done. But you've done it, you do it in a way that's much more economic. Think about it as 
if if maintaining your vital life force is all about economics and by economics i mean being more economical in terms of its usage so you use less of it to get more that's one of the things that adaptogens and things like reishi in particular allow you to do you'll just feel calm but you'll still be functional your mind will be active but your heart will be calm this is a hard thing for people to get in the west because they think if they're calm then they're not getting things done not productive not sharp that's right whereas the irony is that people are relying on you know stimulants like coffee and cigarettes and anything they can to get stuff done but it actually muddles the mind and it muddles the heart and it and it like messes up the liver so all of these things are actually counterproductive yeah whereas if you can have a calm heart and a calm head you're just going to be more productive yeah but in a way that is is just much more functional yeah, I totally agree with you there. We live in a in a time where we are very stimulant heavy and it's it's very, you know, very less often that we look at being more calm and slowing things down and and I totally agree with that respect that you know, if you're calm and you're slow means that you're you're not getting shit done or you're not productive. So mm. I I totally get that. So and I think people are so wired up nowadays, you know what I mean? Like I just went shopping just the other day and it was like 9 or 10 in the morning and, you know, it's having like mid-morning yet and there was some lady waiting in the car park and just because I was going to my car but not actually getting in driving it off, she started flipping her finger and swearing at me like, I've been waiting here, you know, didn't you see me? And this is like already in the morning. Like people are so wired up nowadays that they just need to just calm the F down. Yeah. So I think this is probably um, one of the things they can pretty much implement into their life and see some great benefits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think also the way that you would tend to react to someone flipping you off will also start to change over time. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people are stressed. I, you know, and you can only feel compassion for people when they're stressed. I was actually having this discussion earlier today. How does one feel compassion for other people when they don't, they don't have it in them because they're so stressed, right? And that's why I think something like race is so important on a worldwide scale is because the more that there are people out there who are not stressed the more that they're going to be stressing other people out less and it creates like a circular system where essentially people are nicer to each other and they're nicer to themselves because that's the other thing like you start to be because you could just as easily react to someone flipping you off and that be oh this is all about me and i feel really like you know offended and whatever and then it becomes a self-effacing um situation where you're you know you're you're going into self-loathing whereas if you come you just go look i mean i send you all the love you, you're clearly like really stressed out or as you said laugh at it you know laughter is a really great way of like breaking that um <laughs> situation yeah so let, let, let's uh change it up a bit because i think reishi's got a plenty of love now and something yes. i want to touch on as well in which you we just mentioned previously before where it's got similar properties to that of reishi which is lion's mane and i did an episode all on the benefits of lion's mane recently so i want to hear it from the horse's mouth the people who you know supply such high quality products that i'm using every day 
like what are your thoughts and lines mains and how can it benefit the average person right so lion's mane in recent years because what's interesting is that probably you know six seven i can't even remember how many years ago when i was and i mean i know this segues into like the the mycelium on grain topic like Mm -hmm. no one was getting good quality stuff we didn't really know back then and i mean i was really excited about chaga at the time because it was the closest that i had available that was probably had any medicinal benefits but lion's man was like the bottom of the list and what's happened in recent years and i think this is probably because the lion's mane that's available now is just so much better is that and also the work of like joe rogan and tim ferris and you know the nootropics movement and the biohacking and all that sort of thing yep um lion's mane's really come to the front and and everyone's you know been in love with it and you know this is just my personal opinion mind you because obviously i've i've you know i've got this like worldwide peace agenda with reishi yeah um <laughs> i think I really didn't understand it until I went to China. Not really. Like I got it and we can talk about that. Like it's a nootropic, you know, it uh, it breaks down amyloid plaque and potentially has all these um, things that you can utilize to, you know, prevent or even reduce neurodegenerative disorders. You can increase like nerve growth factor, which, you know, is a key in the brain, but also the gut, which I will talk about because I've got, I've got a theory around this. Yeah, sure. Um, but um, when we went to visit the Lion's Mane farm, we'd been traveling quite a bit. And I was like, oh, man, how are we going to get this done? We've got to do a video. I'm really tired. We've been traveling a lot. But when I got there and I was in the presence of like, I mean, literally thousands of Lion's Mane, it was insane. And, you know, you guys and your, your listeners, you got to take this, I guess, however you take it. I consider myself to be quite a sensitive person. And I could feel my frontal lobe kind of activating. Like the pineal gland? Uh, yeah, you, I mean, sure. Like, you know, pituitary, hypothalamus, pineal complex, all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. My brain just came on, you know. So, like, when the, so cam- the, when the camera got to an instant. Like, well, it wasn't so much in an instant. It was more just like it's one thing to, you know, have a bag in the, in the cupboard and, you know, you're putting it in your thing. But it's like when you're literally surrounded by thousands and thousands of things that are beaming off a certain type of resonant frequency you kind of can't help but be affected by that mm-hmm. and um so you know i i did my my video and i was like wow i i how do i rem- did i remember all of this like you know there was little bits and pieces of information that i'd you know i didn't even really know was in there but i i started to feel this very strong and this is interesting because no one talks about lion's mane in this way because i did a second video talking about this is that it has shen and when you look at it it makes sense like it kind of looks like the dendritic cells it looks like the the like the nerves of the brain it literally looks like a little brain yeah like a really cute fluffy brain but it's white Right now, like when you think about your crown chakra, what color is that? It's white, yeah. right? And when you think about like you know the aura of you know, let's keep this non-denominational, but like angels and 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 things that you see in spiritual iconography, what is the general color that you see around them? What is the halo? It's white, white yeah. right? So white is that expression of spirit. It's in, in its purest form, and I felt really calm, but like switched on. 
And if I can divert um, from this and talk about what the Japanese actually, the name for the, for the Japanese name for lion's mane is Yamabushitake. Now, Yamabushitake is referring to the Yamabushi. And I've got a, a friend who wanted to actually go and study with them. And they do some really, the really... Yeah, these are like these monks who like meditate under waterfalls and, you know, go into rooms full of like um, hot chili and they've got to breathe it in. And so it's one of those really intensified meditative practices. But just like the reishi, lion's mane was used monastically. So Yamabushitake means those who sleep in mountains, you know, and the Yamabushi are obviously these mountain monks. So yep. it's it's literally got this this energy to it but when i was in china it was palpable it was it was incredible i could feel it and i could just feel how much more activated my brain was but in a way that was just calm and so so you weren't overstimulated so to speak no not at all it it was more similar to like what i said with the reishi but obviously it's got its own different frequency and again this is just like a personal experience that i had but it was so strong that i knew it was real it was just you know wow because up until that point i really didn't understand why there was such a flood of people towards lion's man now i think that getting back to the adrenal fatigue and the stress if you've got something that's going to work on rebuilding the brain remembering that because of industrial pollutions and ancestors who literally drank quicksilver which is mercury as a form of a cure. We've received all of this down river. And so we're in this particular juncture where people have got brain fog and the brain is sort of dysfunctional. The neurons are not firing properly. And so being able to have something that can actually activate that and allow people to go through their lives, I think is really important. I think this is where the current romance with lion's mane is, is that people want their brains back you know, and they want to be active and functioning in that way. They don't want to experience, you know, neurodegenerative diseases. There was um, like the scientist who discovered um, nerve growth factor. She actually, it wasn't lion's mane, but lion's mane was later discovered that it contained nerve growth factor. She was, she made these drops of nerve growth factor, which she would put into her eyes. And she lived, she's the oldest or the longest living Nobel prize winner in the world and she said that even in into her 90s her brain felt like the same as it was like in her 20s and 30s and 40s and stuff because she'd had this nerve growth factor so it seems that this nerve growth factor that's found in lion's mane is significant in terms of arresting neurodegenerative development so you know instead of facing the ultimate dementia or any sort of disorder of the brain we can look at this as a, a potential opportunity where we can still be, you know, healthy and active, not just in our body, which is to some degree a little bit easier to look after. You kind of just have to exercise and eat the right diet and, you know, make sure you get enough rest and all that sort of thing. But the brain is something that not only requires the exercise of like academic, you know, research and, you know, constantly feeding it new ideas and stuff like that. But there are other physical aspects to it, and it seems like this nerve growth factor is a huge component about it. Now, this is my theory, yeah. right? That I really want to put forward, and it—it's going. I'm well. 
See, when people think about the organs of the body, they think, you know, liver, lung, kidneys, brain, heart, spleen, stomach, that's kind of it. But there's actually hundreds and hundreds of different organs. And one particular organ that was discovered, uh, I'm not sure when, so just don't quote me on that, uh, is called the mesentery. Now, the mesentery, they found that when they removed it, because they go, oh, this is a useless piece of tissue, they found that the rhythm of the entire digestive tract would actually go out of pace. And so what I've postulated is that this huge discussion that's you know been risen over the last few years in particular, which is it's all about gut health. And really it's not just about gut health, it's about the gut brain. Our brains, we actually have three brains really, but, and I'd be, well, actually, oh my God, I've just had a theory. Wow. I'll get back to that in a sec. You're right. This, this is don't, awesome. Don't forget it. I won't, I won't, because you'll hassle me for it. Um, but so the mesentery really is very likely one of these things that lion's mane works on. So lion's mane actually works in the gut as well. And it basically staves off the invasion of certain pathogenic activity in the gut. And so my theory is that by working on the mesentery, it's actually putting taking the load off the mesentery and anything that would invade it from a pathogenic level or a viral level or whatever, so that the rhythm of the digestive system can actually work more functionally. Ergo, you have a more functional digestive system, you have a better milieu in your digestive system, you know, bacteria loads like good and bad are more in balance. And therefore your gut brain, right, um, is much more functional. Okay, so now here's the thing. So in Qigong, we're taught, and that's the Dantian, by the way. So the Dantian is basically the gut brain, right? Then you've got like on the other end of the spectrum, especially for spiritual seekers, they're always talking about their pineal, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the difficulties is if you don't have a daily practice is that instead of being grounded in your body and working with your Dantian, that lower gut level, where a lot of your intuition comes from anyway, you're obsessed with being, you know, hyper psychic or but very much up in the upper centers right there a lot of spirituality focuses on that but there's actually a, a third even though that is actually the third there's a second rather um brain and that's the brain of the heart now right ready for this so i've never said this before all right let's go for it so i postulated that because reishi and lion's mane you know, works both on the mind, but on the heart where lion's mane is really more centered around that energy of the, the mind, right? And reishi is more centered around the energy of the heart. So I've suggested to people, if they want to increase their heart mind connection, you know, and have a harmony with that, that consuming those two together actually, you know, is a formidable ally. And so what I realized as we were just talking about this, because we think about, you know, the, the mind in the head and we sometimes think about the mind in the gut which i've you know obviously covered yeah we don't necessarily think about the mind in the heart mm. and there's a whole bunch of research around that if you've heard of like heart math and and things like that which is you know yeah essentially like the intelligence of the heart so what i'm now going to postulate is really like when we work with something like lion's mane and reishi together and there's possibly another mushroom because this is a new concept i'm not certain of it yet but really you're working on building the neurology of the gut the neurology of the brain but also the neurology of the heart right see one thing that we don't think about 
like I've been learning a lot of stuff um, in terms of the intelligence of the liver, for example, is we don't think of these organs as being sentient in their own right. We just sort of think the brain governs them, tells them what to do, and that's it. It's an oversimplification, and it's a it, it doesn't really give the due credit that um, some of our more important organs like the heart has. When we think about the fact that we can get a broken heart, well, that doesn't sound like a very intelligent biological mechanism if really the brain's just running the heart because the heart is basically pumping blood to the brain and the organs keeping us alive. And if the brain is just some sort of like um, central computer system that's basically making things happen, it's just limited in its thinking. It's much more likely that it's essentially the control center, but there's actual individual hearts you know, all over the body, but there's three main brain centers and that's the brain the heart and the stomach and i mean this is getting a little bit more divergent and hippie but like if you look at things yeah yeah exactly right when you think about like say in the judeo-christian realm you've got well in in the christian realm at least you've got the holy trinity if you think about in the irish realm they talk about you know third time lucky there's this this rule of three just rules us over and over again and like and the basis of geometry is really a triangle which is three so it makes sense that that is also going to play its role i mean i'm theorizing here so i know we're getting a no no topic, it's good it's but, but, stuff that i haven't heard of before well, it's only because i'm making it up on the spot right but, but it, it just came to me because i've been literally telling people for years you know heart mind connection but it, it just hadn't occurred to me because my training literally teaches me that you work on the dantian, which is the lower center. Then you work on the heart when you're ready and capable of opening that up. Because think of it, it's like the the fourth chakra. You got three below, three above. The ones below are all very much about like earth-based lifestyle, you know, creativity, money, safety, strength and courage sexuality all that sort of thing whereas the heart is like the meeting point and then you go into like the galactic centers of like communication you know psychic resonance and like communication with you know other realms and and beyond basically but you can't do that unless you've actually solidified yourself on the the ground anyway i think we've covered that enough but it's just my that's my idea so in terms of a practical man that's um that's really out there (laughs) i I really appreciate it though because you're probably bringing on some new concepts for people to think about or maybe even hear you know months or years down the track and they can look back and say yeah jules was right (laughs) (laughs) hopefully so in terms of a practical application so far the only sort of mushroom product that i'm sort of consuming right now is lion's mane and it's for all those neurocognitive benefits that we talked about so it's probably wise to potentially uh introduce a ratio to it as well yeah it is and look one thing with lion's mane because i i totally get that not everyone's going to be a freak like me and take these things religiously every day with something like reishi you can have it and it, its benefits will be you know on the spot you know it might take however long your metabolism takes for that to metabolize in your system but it will be on the spot with the nerves it takes time. So you can't take lion's mane and expect it to give you something then and there. It's something that you've got to build. Like, and for some people, it takes a week or a couple of weeks or or whatever. But I just want to quickly jump back to my theory. <laughs> sure. Because th- this is, as much as I've said lion's mane is about the gut, yep. and it is, right? Just as reishi is about the, the mind, I, I think actually that the trinity 
is chaga, right, for the dantian or the gut because it also works on the gut. Reishi for the heart and lion's mane for the brain. And look, I, I don't want anyone to read into this too deeply because, as I said, I'm just I'm actually formulating this principle based on other principles, you know, that I've worked on over time. And so I've literally only just kind of come to this realization now. So you know, so do it, do with it what you will. But but Shaga is an interesting one as well because it is Jing. Let, let's talk about Shaga. Super quick. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can, but like, no, if you want to go back into lines, man, we can, I just wanted to finish with this idea yeah, is that, yeah. you know, Shaga is, is Jing. It's black, right? It's black and brown. So it's Jing. So it's kidneys. Like the earth. Right. It is like the earth. And it's very much, we, I also have an elemental association for those four mushrooms. Lion's mane is the mind. So it's air. Reishi is the heart. And I feel like it's very watery and a, and a medicine that like supports the emotions and cordyceps being that it's literally born out of like death. It's because like in its native state, it's like a, not that the, the ones that we have are, they're, they're grown in like a vegetable broth, but wild cordyceps are grown out of a, a caterpillar. Yeah. Uh, so the caterpillar is taken over by the mycelium and then out of its crown chakra literally pops this this black fungus, which is why it's also jing. Yep. Anything that's black is jing, but it's fire. Yeah. Right. The only thing that can cause that kind of level of transformation is fire. So all four elements are kind of represented. But Shaga working on the gut and, and giving you that groundedness, absolutely, it's earthly and it's gonna help build that that gut. Reishi's gonna like work on the heart. And Lion's Man is going to work on the mind. So I actually have a feeling that combining those three together will actually begin a communication between those three brain centers, which are significant, like, you know, that, and, and the science is starting to back this up. You know, there's got to be a reason why, you know, in martial arts for so long, like it's always about moving from that center point. Right? And literally the, the umbilicus, which is, you know, what gets cut when we're born, is your dantian or it's centered around that. So like the thing that connects you to your mother before you enter into this world is through that first brain. Anyway, we've talked about enough. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so have you guys already got a product with these three mushrooms? No, man. No, I, I, mean, no, I, I and well, look, this is the thing. People can kind of play around with this at, at will. We're just sort of um, rapping really. Like these are just ideas that I've, I've sort of formulated, but yeah. coming back to the lion's mane in China, like I did have a profound experience and I realized that it was a Shen mushroom Yeah, and it does make sense that, um, you know, something that's going to calm the mind, right. Is going to have that, that quality to it. But yeah. Um, what else did you want to cover in terms of lion's mane? Ah, uh, man, I think you covered it off pretty comprehensively. So, but yeah. really, <laughs> gold star for you. Well, we say, we say tea leaks a gold spore, but sure. Right. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go gold with the gold spore. spore. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I think the lion's mane is uh, it's made, made really big, um, you know, publicity in, in the last couple of years and mainly from the, the, you know, the prominent names out there. But um, it sounds like you've definitely sold me on, on reishi. It sounds like these other mushrooms, part of the main four, don't get as much love. But then from having a deeper understanding like yourself and in terms of how it works with your body and with what the, you know, the, the overstressed, the over-triggered average person needs, it sounds like that there could be a lot more benefits than just, you know, your lion's mane and your you know, you're biohacking, so to speak. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that like the more that I delve into these mushrooms over the time, the more I discover and understand and unravel. And I've had different aspects shown to me at different times because my first love was not reishi, it was shaga. Yeah. When, when I first had reishi that was my on grain, it was rice bubbles. It didn't do anything, you know. But when you have your first extract and you have the first proper reishi experience, you go, oh, okay, I get it. So... Yeah, like, and I think they're all, like, the fact that they seem to kind of segment into these elements, I think there's a reason why these are the four that people are excited about. You know, they're kind of considered the sexy mushrooms. But, I mean, I've, I actually go out and I wild hunt. Uh, there's an Australian cordyceps variety called cordyceps gunnii, and it has the same nutraceutical benefits as cordyceps sinensis. I'm not suggesting that people run out and start hunting mushrooms um, and particularly cordyceps because there's cordyceps that grow on all sorts of things. But this is very similar. It's growing on like a, a moth larvae, which is very similar to the sinensis. Wow. And um, yeah, but I mean, so, I mean, I mean, that's another trippy story really that's way too long for here or at least this time. But yep. I mean, the, the experience that we had around cordyceps and learning about that really made that also very um, iconic to tea elixir and also to me personally. So I've kind of had these, you know, mm. like almost like four different chapters really to do with all these mushrooms. It's just that for whatever reason, and it's funny because when I f- figured out that lion's mane was air, it was the last one. I, I'd already figured out that, you know, cordyceps with fire and that shaga was earth and reishi was water, but I, I just... I, the penny didn't drop. And it happened in the same way. I was like in the middle of a meeting. I'm like, oh, hang on, I've got to interrupt you. I've just figured it out. Oh, my God. Uh, um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your first love, the Shaga. Well, what's that good for? Oh, man, Shaga is like the way that David Wolf describes it. And I mean, this is a bit of a marketing thing, but it's also a truth to it. Um, if you imagine like chess pieces – Right, and reishi is considered the queen of medicinal mushrooms, which it often is. It's it's like you know one of the most highly regarded tonic herbs in the entire Chinese system. It was once so rare that it was only found in one in every ten thousand trees. It's totally different. Right. What we what we have available to us now is sacred. It, I mean, it's hard to see how sacred it is because of the fact that it's so widely available. But it was only in the nineteen seventies they started figuring out how to grow these things. So we're pretty spoiled. We are, but Shaga's different, super different, actually. Like, Shaga is not actually a mushroom for a start. Yeah, it's, right. It's a sclerotia. And what that means is it's kind of like a growth on a living tree rather than on a dead tree. And that sclerotia is kind of like a a storehouse of nutrients. So, Shaga does have a mushroom, but it's it doesn't come up very often. So the birch tree and the shaga mushroom have this symbiotic relationship where they sort of work in harmony together. But so the shaga is, is more just this storehouse and it's, it's really when you have lab grown shaga, it doesn't have the anti radioactive or the, the radio protective quality to it. It doesn't have um, so many of the benefits that you find in Shaga. And there's one world Shaga expert that suggests, and I tend to agree with this, is that the closer the Shaga is grown to the northern lights, the frequencies that actually come from that 
actually affect the chaga in terms of the way they grow. Only chaga uh, or the other Only chaga. No, right. no. So so chaga is a really a wild we're just going to call it a mushroom. But like it it's a, it I mean it is a mushroom because just so people understand like what we call a mushroom is really a fruiting body. So the mycelium because most of the time we don't see mushrooms like you know they just pop up after the rain. It's not that they're not there, it's just that they're underneath the ground. So the mushroom is that last part of the life cycle of the the fungi where it's basically, you know, coming up in order to, you know, increase its its feel by sporulating and creating new life. Yeah. Um, anyway, so for the moment, we're just going to call shaga a mushroom. So shaga is wild. It's, it's found in regions of the air of the, the world, which are cold, almost Arctic and the colder and the closer to the Northern lights, as I said, the, the Arctic circle that it is, they found that the more beneficial and the more rich, it is in um, in the nutrients that it contains. Is it this certain compounds in chaga that they found is more uh, prominent? Well, chaga is a, a complicated, you know, mushroom. It's it's got so many compounds. So, like I know you wanted to talk about, like say the 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 aspects of of dual extraction. Yep. So you've got these water soluble components which are called polysaccharides. Now polysaccharides are long chain sugars. So if you think of a sugar like in its most simple form, like glucose or sucrose, those are like, you know, one or two carbon chains. When you expand out into something, say like bread, it's longer carbon chains. When you expand out even further, you get these non-sweet long chain sugars, which are known as polysaccharides. And the medicinal mushrooms are rife in those polysaccharides. The polysaccharides are basically the healing components of the mushrooms and they are the water-soluble aspects to the mushrooms. But there are other aspects um, in certain mushrooms, particularly chaga and reishi being an example, that have alcohol-soluble components. Are those the, such the as fat, the fat um, part of the mushroom? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. You could, you could call it that. But, I mean, it's more... Yeah, yeah, sure. But basically, it's more that alcohol is required in order to unlock them so that they can be accessible. So by water extracted, you mean boiling in water? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and and it's it, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, especially as a tonic, if you get like actual reishi chunks, you put it in water and you boil it up and you drink as a tea, it's a healing tea. That's what they yeah. did. They didn't extract it into alcohol as a rule back in like ancient days. They just boiled it as a tea. Yeah. And is that why they say, you know, you shouldn't really eat mushroom raw and you should sort of cook it at high high temperature? Um, well, the reason you shouldn't eat mushroom, it's not that you shouldn't eat mushrooms raw. It's just that, like, I remember when we were kids, we used to, like, chop up, like, button mushrooms and put them on a salad. They tasted awesome, right? It's more that when you understand what a mushroom can do and why it can do it, a mushroom can dissolve concrete. Well, not a mushroom, but the mycelium the fungi itself can dissolve concrete and a mushroom can sprout out of that concrete. Well, wow. Mushrooms contain this substance which is called chitin. And chitin is something that requires heat 
in order for it to be broken down and for it to be digestible. So that's even button mushrooms? Absolutely. All mushrooms. Like you, you'll like as much as you can break a button mushroom up with your fingers, it's you still got that rubbery quality to it, yeah? Yeah. And like other kind of culinary mushrooms like, you know, wood ear fungus and stuff, it's kind of like rubber. Yeah. Basically. And once that's broken down, that protein and all the nutrients that are available in that mushroom can some, then become accessible to you. With the medicinal mushrooms, particularly say like the um, the shelf fungus or the the bracket fungus, like like reishi, if you guys have ever been out to the forest where you've sort of seen that like ledge sitting like like sticking out of like a dead tree, that's a mm-hmm. that's a reishi, that's a, a polypore mushroom or a ganoderma mushroom as a rule, and it's it's like rubber, but it's almost more like wood. It's going to be like rubber until when you pick it and then very quickly it'll dry out and it'll be hard. I, I Unfortunately, I didn't bring any to show you. Like you, you kind of got to see this to believe it. But Because yeah. people go, that's a mushroom? Are you serious? Uh-huh. Is it- like, But it's it's like wood. Yeah, right. So if you think that like locked in that wood or that chitin is all the components that you want, that's the polysaccharides. Yeah. But also, as I said, there's these other elements, these triterpenes, and these triterpenes are basically alcohol solvent based components and they need to be sort of, you know, resolved in that alcohol in order to extract them so that you can consume them. And so by having that broader spectrum of the water soluble components and the alcohol soluble components, you then get like a more fuller picture. It's a full spectrum. Yeah, they become more full spectrum and they have a wider variety of uses. Yep. So yeah, now I I know that um you I don't know if you wanted to go back to the the shaga but yeah as as I said the the shaga has like a wide variety of applications it's you know um some things that I can say here and some things that I can't but you know if you think of things like you know anti-inflammatory antiviral antibacterial all of the antis and then some it it just it has. Uh, and it can be used on both a tonic level and on a medicinal level. Yeah. Um, it's got, based on its mineral ratios, the the most alkaline. It's considered the most alkaline food on the planet. And that's, Chaga. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because it contains um, rubidium, potassium, and and cesium. I wanted to say something else. It's cesium, and those three minerals in that particular ratio make it an extremely alkaline food. The cesium, this is more of a fun fact, but like the cesium is what's called a coal extender. So even though there's some incorrect information circulating around the internet about they found this guy in the 90s called Utsi the Iceman and he was like, you know, uh, some kind of Paleolithic man who was found in a peat bog and, and he was found to have a couple of mushrooms on him. And I know a lot of people say that at Shaga it wasn't. It was actually birch polypore. But like the birch polypore, shaga is a coal extender. And what that means is that you can light it, which I accidentally did the other day. <laughs> like um, I let my pot boil dry and then like the, the flame got through because I have a glass pot and it set it on fire. Shit. And it was actually quite difficult for it to like stop burning. Like it burnt for ages. And so if you can imagine in those days where fire needed to be carried around, you light it and then you put it in with like another mushroom like a a drilled out mushroom and that the coal will stay hot and alive so that you can travel vast distances and then it still stays alight so that you can basically start the fire again 
Um, but in the case of Utsi, it was actually birch polypore, which is another collar extender. But the cesium levels in Chaga make it an incredibly good collar extender, and it was very likely used in those sort of Neolithic, Paleolithic eras to travel long distances and carry fire with them. Well, it's a very fun fact with Chaga. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fun fact. We love that. Yeah, the, the other thing about Chaga is like Reishi, it's got an incredible ability to produce the, the native antioxidant of the body, which is called superoxide dismutase or SOD. And Chaga contains the highest level of SOD producing components of anything. Um, and I mean, Reishi's up there as like one of the best. And I, th- I think, unfortunately, I, I don't have the data exactly with me, but I believe it's like 50 times more potent than Reishi. Right. So when you think about it like this, eat your berries, eat your fruits, eat your vegetables, get as many, you know, colors into your diet and have as many antioxidants as you can. But remember that your ability to produce an antioxidant yourself is going to be so much more potent for you. Because vitamin C is water-soluble. So you take vitamin C and it's an antioxidant, that's great, but it runs out. The more that you can build your antioxidant levels and produce um, you know, these anti-inflammatory responses in the body, like um, taking things like shaga and reishi, pine pollen is another one that is really good with SOD. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something to sort of consider. And shaga is like, you know, it's yeah. kind of peerless in yeah. that sense. And uh, inflammation is like the root cause of pretty much all disease. And when you're talking about brain fog, that's pretty much inflammation of the brain. And Mm. when we're talking stuff like, you know, cancers and, you know, gut and bowel disease, that's inflammation of the gut and, you know, dysfunction of the cells and all that sort of stuff. It's more so based on what you were talking about at the very start is that it's a more of a gentle approach and you're not treating the symptom you are pretty much getting to the root cause with all these sort of beneficial plant compounds that we've just talked about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's always about tonifying and being gentle to the system. One thing that seems to be a mistake in the West is it's taken me, you know, 20 years to get sick. I want to be better tomorrow, right? And I mean, that really is no exaggeration. People, and they don't necessarily want to do the work either, but by being gentle on yourself and allowing, you know, yourself to change yourself over time and recognize if it took you 20 years to get somewhere, it's going to take some time. Be gentle with yourself, right? And just, you know, get rest and all that sort of thing. But by incorporating these things that are gentle and tonifying, they allow your body to restore itself. Great. That's definitely um, people nowadays is that they take a long time to get where they are yeah. and they want to reverse within a day. So unfortunately, even these superfoods cannot do that. And it's, a, it's much of a, of a process and it, you know, the, the, the earlier you can start, the, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. I start with kids and <laughs> like we want to like, I mean, they even talk about like reishi, for example, and, and this obviously is a do with it what you will um, piece of information because... Uh, legally, you know, you're not supposed to take reishi while you're pregnant, but in certain trimesters you can, and women who do that have much calmer and more, yeah, probably spiritually adept babies. They're known as reishi babies. Yeah. So, right. so yeah. And, and at a certain point, like when kids are ready, they can actually start incorporating tonic herbs and the younger you do it, you're just going to be healthier. Your constitution is going to be better. You're just going to be stronger, you know? 
Do you want to hear one more fun fact about Chaga? Okay, one more. One, one more. <laughs> so um, back in World War II, the Finnish actually used Chaga as a coffee replacement because they didn't have any coffee. But what's interesting is that Chaga has this ability to heat up the body. So very likely while these soldiers were like freezing out in the wilderness of Finland, the Chaga was actually doing a benefit that the coffee wouldn't do, it would actually heat up the body. And I've actually had some experiences a couple of times where I remember once, like, we actually cooked up a, a Chaga tea, me and Dan, and we jumped in the Yarra River. I mean, it wasn't icy cold, but it was like the body activated and, and heated in response to that. So it has that ability. Anyway, it's just a fun fact. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Coffee replacement. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, if you're, you left your jacket at home and it's a winter day, just yeah, <laughs> have exactly. some Chaga. Just have some Chaga. Um, Anything else that's uh, beneficial in terms of Chaga that you want to want to add there before we um, move on to, I guess, the last bit of it, which is cordyceps, because I don't want to leave that out. Well, I mean, the one thing I would say is as much as it would be great to have wild foods available, like consistently, some things are just like, say, the cordyceps, where they're being really hunted to extinction. And that's why, you know, having ones that are, are grown in a vegetable broth or, or whatever. So they still contain the same benefits, but it doesn't have that effect on, you know, potentially causing an extinction of a species. Um, it's just not viable. And as I said before, and this is very much a, a word to the wise, if people are being told that their, their reishi is wild and it's, and it's, especially if it's a reasonable price, it's not, it's just marketing. Reishi is like only found on one in every 10,000 trees. So it's therefore not viable. Yeah. Whereas Chaga is one of these amazing things that like when you think of the vastness of Siberia and, you know, the vastness of, of Northern China and the vastness of like places like Canada and North America, there is so much Chaga out there. It's, it's incredible. And this doesn't mean that we shouldn't like, you know, look after our precious resources at all, but it's wild. And when you can consume things that are wild, they've got an X factor that is, 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 you know, just that little bit more. And I think that's something to consider with Chaga. And that's why when you look into the laundry list of things that it does, that's why it has those benefits more than anything is because it's that complexity of chemistry, but that complexity of chemistry that's married up with the intelligence of nature because it literally is like wild harvested. Unless you're getting mycelium on grain chaga, right, and that does exist, uh, which has very little benefit at all, right? Most chaga you're getting is wild. Can we uh, quickly, whilst we're on that, touch on myceliated Absolutely. grain? Absolutely. Let's talk about myceliated and grain. And how that's so prominent nowadays. And I actually had a look before you came on here today because I buy um, quite a lot of my supplements and stuff from iHerb mm -hmm. and I was looking at, um, you know, particularly Lion's Mane and pretty much one of the the top product that they had was actually from someone that's pretty uh, well known who um, I shouldn't name and their product, it says on the back, particularly myceliated brown rice. Right, so... Yeah, so maybe talk a bit. About yeah, no, that let's and, let's um, definitely talk about it. It to be like just so that it's clear, it's not as much of a problem in Australia because we came to this um, late in the day. There is only a, a small handful of companies here in Australia selling mycelium on grain. Most companies here are selling, you know, extracts of concentrated 
fruiting bodies. As I said, cordyceps is different because it has to be grown in a tank and it is a myceliated form, but it's 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 grown in, in a new... You know what? This is a, a better way to understand myceliated grain products. If you imagine that a mushroom that is a medicinal mushroom needs to be growing on a tree, whether a live tree in the case of shaga or a dying or a dead tree in the case of reishi, turkey tail, miyataki, all these sort of ones. Understand that by the point that it has actually got to fruiting, it is utilizing at full scale and has myceliated through that log and the tissue of that so that it is consuming the like the plant matter that is wood. So wood is basically its ultimate diet. Now, if you're going to grow a mushroom, you have to start with a spore. And so once you've got that spore to basically, you know, turn into its next stage of germination, let's just say, to make it easier, yep. you would grow that in like an agar dish, uh, which is like a concentrated nutrient form so that it's, but it's still like a sugar. Like it's not really something, it's not, you're not going to grow mushrooms on it. You're just going to grow the mycelium on it. Then once that's concentrated enough, you would then transfer that to like a, a grain, like rice or oats or barley or whatever. And then that's kind of like if you ended it there and that's what you grew the mushrooms from, it's kind of like you'd be growing the mushrooms on a McDonald's diet, on a junk food diet. Right. It's perfectly fine to get them going because once you can then get that mycelium to like go through the grains, you can then drill holes in wood and then push that myceliated grain into the wood because you're not trying to get an end product out of that. You're just trying to get it to have as much of a kickstart so that it can ultimately take over the wood because it is the marriage between the wood of the tree and the mushroom, the, the mycelium that will ultimately produce this harmony of, of nutraceutical so benefits. So it's practically like a, like a probiotic starter culture, uh, that sort of process. It, it's easier just to think of it as basically that the wood is like, you know, the, the healthy diet where you're eating your vegetables and having your fruit and having a balanced diet and all that sort of thing, whereas the grain is like McDonald's. Yep. And the agar is like pretty much getting a whole bunch of, you know, raw sugar and stirring it yeah. up in water and drinking it. And, and like, you know, these are the things that are necessary to get it to that stage because um, if you just put a spore into a tree, there's all this other fungi that lives there that it's just going to outcompete it and kill it. So, but, it, but it, what it does is it explains that, and that's only the first component part of it. In America... Nine out of 10 companies are mycelium on grain. One of the biggest mushroom suppliers in the world is lab-grown mushrooms. I won't name names, but I do know who they are. <laughs> I um, think I do too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basically they grow the mushrooms or that rather they grow the mycelium on this grain. So like because it's rice. Yeah, on rice, on, on yep. rice or, or any sort of grain product. They, they grow them in these bags and then the mycelium overtakes that grain and then instead of separating the mycelium from the grain, they'll just grind it all up. It's a very quick and efficient way of producing a large amount of product. But the problem is that the starches that are, are found in the grains also contain polysaccharides, but they're slightly different. 
and they're not the same as beta-glucans, which is what you're really looking for. And so you'll have these companies give these incredibly high-level like polysaccharide readings, but most of that polysaccharide is actually grain. Yeah. But you can tell when you look at a mushroom product that's like that, it, it literally looks like rice bubbles. Yeah. Well, not rice bubbles. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's like rice powder. Yeah. Just sort of fluffy and doesn't seem to have anything to it. Reishi should be bitter. Chaga should have a, a bitter quality to it. You sh- there should be a spectrum that, that you can taste in it. And these things they don't taste like any of that. And they don't have any benefit of it at all. Not really. Yeah. By having these myceliated products, you're not just getting the mycelium, which is still not what you want anyway. You really want the fruiting body. But you're actually getting the grains with it. And so obviously they make a lot of money off that, but it really doesn't yep. give anything in terms of, you know, people getting the benefits that they really want to get from it. Yeah. And it's the beta glucans that you mentioned is the beneficial properties that we were wanting out of these mushrooms. Yeah. So with the polysaccharides, I should have said this before, the beta glucans are the healing components and they are themselves polysaccharides. So those are the water soluble components is the beta glucans. Yeah. Whereas the betulinic acids and the triterpenoids, those are the alcohol, com- alcohol soluble components. Yep. So practically nine out of ten companies in the U.S. are selling us pretty much yep. grain that's masquerading as mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like when anything becomes like a boom industry, like people who aren't really interested in helping people jump on board and yeah, just basically take advantage of that, which is sad. No, it's, it's, it's not good for the consumers. And obviously, like yourself, who back in the day had the, the highly myceliated lion's mane and you felt nothing. And you know what? That could really take uh, a, good ex- a potentially good experience from someone and turn it bad and have them bitter about, you know, not just lion's mane mushroom, but all sorts of mushrooms. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, it's funny because like when I had the myceliated um, grain products, like not only did we not know better, but they didn't sell as well because it's funny because the Shaga actually did give benefit. People really liked the Shaga because it was half wild, half cultivated. So it was kind of like a hybrid. And that was the one that I felt drawn to the most. And I liked it because it had, you know, the, the dark color that Shaga should have. And, and I felt good on it, you know, and I actually had an experience where my body heated up once on it too. I mean, I had a large amount of it, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like people can have a negative experience or a neutral experience and they go, this is just whatever. Yeah. So just an extension to that, obviously we don't want myceliated grain or myceliated mushroom products. So that's, I guess that's pretty clear right now. The second part is I want to ask you is the fruiting body versus the mycelium has that because i know from what i've sort of researched is that what you want is the majority of the the beneficial the 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 health benefits is from the fruiting body how about the mycelium does that have any part to play um or should we be avoiding uh, no no i no it's i think it's more complicated than that because you got to look at things from a holistic perspective i mean the mycelium essentially forms a mushroom anyway that's you know it it requires that it's not like it separates itself off so even when you break a reishi off in the wild you'll actually see like a mycelial mass so that's already in there but there is definitely some research with certain mushrooms um, where they're suggesting 
to add mycelium in addition to the fruiting body. But culturally, like say taking reishi, they use the fruiting body, they boiled it up, they drank the tea, right? Maybe they soaked it in alcohol and they made like an alcoholic um, brew, but primarily it was boiled up in water. Cordyceps was traditionally cooked actually with like, you know, meats and things like that. But you can also boil it in water. Lion's mane. Oh my God, lion's mane tastes amazing. Like like fresh lion's mane. When we were in um, Heliongeon, which is where the lion mane, we actually like, we got given this big bag of lion's mane and we took it around to, uh, it was a little bit naughty. I, I basically made our host, like, because he could speak Chinese, go and hassle all these restaurants to, to basically cook the lion's mane. I was, pre- I was filming it and pretending it was like an iron chef. <laughs> Yeah, surprise but, box. But but I mean, like what he did with I don't even know what he did with it. The guy who finally agreed to because I rejected heaps. But like it was one of the best things I ate when I was in China. It yeah, was right. phenomenal. Because um, it's it's known to taste a little bit like lobster and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, sorry, I, I totally diverted. But so yeah, there's, there's certain instances I think where um, adding the mycelium in is important, but like the mushroom itself is, you know, is really what's the most significant component part to it. Which is the fruiting body. The fruiting body, exactly. So any mushroom is a fruiting body of a fungi. Uh, All right. So I think that pretty much covers the whole um, myceliated grain topic. Yep. And yeah, I think that's a big distinction to make uh, is for people, for the consumers out there to know that they're picking uh, pretty much products that's going to provide them the benefits that they want so Mm. i think that's a pretty important factor and also another thing i want to touch on is that you guys are certified organic we are uh since when um we've been certified organic for um nearly two years now i think um i think that's a pretty um a noble status to have within the the mushroom industries or especially where you know, products, there's so many inferior products out there. And I know that recently as well, you guys won the nine, uh, 2019 Australian Organic Industry Awards. Yeah, we did. That was That's, pretty cool. Um, congratulations. Thanks, and I'm, man. I'm sure it's, it was a big, big milestone for the company. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it absolutely was. It was really, really good. And then you said that, um, I guess you guys were working pretty hard towards that. So what, what sort of moves did you guys make towards achieving such a milestone it it was interesting because um this was our our second run at the australian certified organic awards we didn't make the finals last year and i think and this is a really important topic i think the primary reason was that despite the fact we were talking about china picking their game up and like really you know working towards you know being organic and all that sort of thing i just don't think that resonated but this year we went to China um, and we visited the Reishi farm and the Lion's Mane farm and, you know, I literally had to drive like two hours down this like crazy kind of like dirt road in a taxi that I don't even know how it made it. Um, uh, that's when you know where the good stuff is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like super remote and, and all that sort of thing. And so I think that by illustrating that, because we took video footage as well to kind of really show that, by showing that not only do we have a traceable certified organic product, but we can show that these are not mass-produced, 
you know, farms, they're, they're small kind of farms and they're, they're, you know, they're doing things the natural way. Like they actually, they brought the, the logs in from Russia. So I think it was like a Russian oak. Don't quote me on that. Um, and, you know, so they were growing the, the reishi directly onto these logs and stuff like that. I think, um, I think that was like a really key component to it was like actually going and showing that China has, because China was not what I expected it to be. I didn't go to Shanghai. The dirtiest place I went to was Beijing and it really wasn't that dirty, especially Northern China. It was pristine. It was amazing, like super amazing. You're right. Um, and the Chinese have this incredible ability to take what's said of them, because obviously they've copped a lot of flack, and turn it around. They're, they're a phenomenal culture. Can we just go that. into that misconception because I've done my research myself, but then the misconception of products that come from China uh, in Fira, particularly in terms of mushroom, can you sort of clear clear the air with that a bit? Okay, so th- that's a twofold answer as well. If, if, if we were to look at it from the perspective of mushrooms being incredible accumulators of particularly things like heavy metals and toxins, yep. then absolutely the reason why people would say they're inferior is valid. But that is only based on if the mushrooms were grown in an area where those toxins were present and, you know, farming practices were lax and lazy. But when, especially when you've got an, an organic um, certification, everything has to be monitored, like literally from like what we call from spore to store. Right. You're right. Where where basically from those farms, right, which are monitored, you know, and then they they go on to like, you know, feed cooperatives that ultimately feed suppliers. All of that stuff is like registered. But when you go to these areas, you're just like, Man, it's just remote. Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's no especially in areas like Changbai as well. Like Changbai according to government regulation, you're not even allowed to use like pesticides, herbicides, anything. It's like, it's sacred to them. And so I think that we get these ideas because, yeah, there's definitely some, I'm sure there's some like crazy things that go on in China, but I definitely think they've turned it around. Even the air pollution that people talk about, it just wasn't there. It just mm. wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, it's a big place and some of it's very remote. But um, yeah, I, I think those are the primary things. If you were to grow mushrooms in Beijing... That's not a good idea. There's going to be all kinds of toxins going to those mushrooms, you know. So you you pick mushrooms from regions that really are pristine. Yeah. So it's not as simple as just to say discriminate against, you know, whatever is grown in that country. Yeah. The region is very important to the quality of the end product. Absolutely. And the really fundamental thing for people to remember is that as much as and it's ironic actually because you've got the american market that's predominantly mycelium on grain but it's grown in labs and it's 100 percent certified organic and da, 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 yep. right but it really doesn't have any of the benefits the master growers for thousands of years of mushrooms are the chinese they are the masters they've been doing it they know how to do it better than anyone else it's part of their culture wherever we went in china particularly northern china there was like they adore mushrooms in a way that no other culture does. There was like carved reishis and ginsengs. And, wow. And like, I mean, I, I, I've i got like video footage and photos of like various stores we went into where there was just like a cornucopia of different mushrooms, like 
just like there'd be like this sack of mu- of dried mushrooms and there'd be another sack. It was like a kid in a candy store. It was amazing. It was yeah, right. <laughs> I, I ate as many mushrooms be. as I could when I was in China. It was so good. And I, I can really appreciate that sentiment as well because when you're so into something and then you get like a heap of it, then of course, you know, that's, that's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, they, they really have had a long, long cultural association with mushrooms and they, they hold it to extremely high esteem. Yeah. Like it's sacred to them, basically. And just on the whole organic certification, why was it important for you guys to gain that? Well, I mean, I've actually been involved in the organics industry for a long time. Like, uh, you know, I've worked on organic farms. I've worked in organic um, fruit and veg shops. You know, I've I've consumed organics as like the vast majority of the food that I eat for an extended period of time in my life. So, you know, for a start, even just on that and in terms of like broadening the the education around organics, I want to support that, right? Because I believe in it and it's definitely given me a lot personally. But I also think, you know, to use a, you know, a terminology, keeping the bastards honest, very Australian term. But I think that by having, because uh, we've actually got our audit tomorrow and it's like, it's a long process. And essentially, we've got to show that every single one of our batches, uh, every single one of them comes from that certified organic source. So once it's certified, right, you know, by an independent organization, it's then also looked at by a you know an independent third party which in in the case of australia is the australian certified organics you know industry so they come and they they basically look at every single thing meticulously and so we know what we're getting from the where it comes from all the way up to like what the consumer ultimately gets so they know that like everything is principally the same and the quality is of the highest level and so that's really important to us because especially coming back full circle to what we were talking about in the beginning, I ultimately want to get the medicine to the people. And there's no point doing that if it's full of heavy metals and toxins and things like that. And we actually have our stuff independently tested for those things as well, along with the levels of like um, the beta-glucans, those polysaccharides we are talking about. So we can actually, you know, tell you the levels that they are and, and the value that the medicine that's that's in those those herbs and those mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it, guys. You practically heard from the you know, the horse's mouth that you know these products they go through stringent quality assurance, and that's that's exactly what you said. You know, getting the medicine to the people, and if people are paying, you know, good money for these products and an expected, you know, some certain benefits, you know, and it's only right that that you are giving them the correct product that's going to provide that. Um, I think, yeah, man, I think we covered so, so much already and that there's so much more that I actually do want to talk about, <laughs> but I think we're running a bit um, low on time and you probably got your audit, which you need to organize for tomorrow as well. So that's, you know, we really highly respect that you guys go through such a procedure and process to, you know, gain the certification to maintain the quality that you do and also you know to be acknowledged and to win the the industry awards with australian organic i think that speaks you know volumes of the type of company that you guys are and you know continue hopefully to to grow to to become so kudos to you and to 
Dan, keep up the good work you guys are doing. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, I guess to, to, to wrap up here, uh, Jules, I know that you're a pretty, you know, uh, well put together, well oiled guy. And in terms of your daily practice and things that you've had or um, implanted in your life that you felt like has given you the most sort of benefits. And for the people out there that's struggling right now that wants some sort of tip or help, and this is something that I ask pretty much all my podcast guests, is there something that you can offer pretty much you know, some sort of wisdom that people can implement pretty much as soon as they you know, put down the headphones from these podcasts to go away and better their life? What sort of um, tip or tips you may have for listeners? Um, it's a very big question. I've got Dan's voice in my head saying, talk about blue light, talk about blue light. <laughs> um, I mean, that is a really big component. I think actually like people need to learn to switch off from their mobiles and their, their TVs and actually get the right amount of sleep. Because there's and, only so much that and get out into the sun can do for you. Well, yeah, that's right. Exactly. I mean, I think it's, you've got to incorporate a whole bunch of things in order for it to work cohesively. And, and that's one of the big missing components actually is like, you know, and it's, it's free, literally, you know, um, you, you get out into the sun, get fresh air, um, drink clean water. I'm really lucky. I live near one of the best springs in the world, um, Mount Donabuang. And yeah, like basically switching off your device. I think that's a really huge thing. That being said, that's Dan's two cents. All right. See, now that he's out of my head. Thanks, Dan. Oh, thanks, Dan. I have been looking a lot in terms of viral loads and... What um, does that mean, sorry? Well, I've been looking into the work of this guy, Anthony Williams. He's also known as the medical medium. And a lot of what he talks about is that um, people have very high viral loads um, and those viruses can sit dormant in your system for an extended period of time. And we're talking like decades. And once you reach a certain level of sort of stress threshold they can actually kind of make a run for different parts of your system and one thing that i think is really clever about the medicinal mushrooms uh, along with all of the things that anthony talks about and he actually does recommend all four of the mushrooms in different components he particularly recommends chaga in terms of like working on your liver um is that people need to look at at how they can basically protect themselves by working with antivirals such as you know what studies have shown with the medicinal mushrooms and you know the benefits that they have yeah and and like really like you know if you're interested dive into anthony's work because it really does have a lot to say about things that people might be experiencing um and and how they can address some of those things by working with antivirals yeah um so that was that one's that one, but I, look, I think probably more important than anything is like obviously I've said a lot of things. There's a lot to take from, there, from today's there, chat. There's a lot to take in. If it excites you, if it speaks to you, like you know, go out and research it. Like and and just start with, like you know, whatever herb. Like oh that that one sounded really good. I'll, maybe I'll try that because. Um, one of the guys who actually brought tonic herbalism to the West or one of the main guys who did, uh, his name is Ron Teagarden. He said that the first rule of herbalism is compliance. 
If you've got these things sitting in your shelf and you're like, why am I not getting better? That's not because you have like the the tools that you need. It's because you're not utilizing the tools that you need. So take the time to learn about them. Choose one that excites you and sounds like it's going to help you and play with it. They're safe and they're beneficial and they will build a better life for you. Yeah. Excellent. Well summed up there, Jules. Uh, really appreciate you, man. And quickly before you go, is there anywhere on uh, socials or somewhere people can connect with you or T Elixir? Do you have personal socials or anything like that? Um, well, we have like um, T Elixir ones. That's all sort of run by Dan. But um, yeah, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Yeah, just at T Elixir. And um, I assume so. <laughs> um, I know I should know that, shouldn't I? I didn't I, I'll be prepared. I'll, I'll put it in the show but, notes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, basically, our website's like tlixer.com, which is t double e l i x i r dot com. Perfect. Um, yeah. Awesome. And before you guys go, you know, we also, uh, thanks to these guys, have a special discount code if you want to try any of the products and you feel like anything like. Jules said, you know, stuck out to you and you feel like that's missing in your life or can be optimized in your life, uh, you can use the discount code effortless and that will give you uh, a special discount when you check out on the, the whole part of your order. So Jules, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Bye, you. Thanks for your time. Not a problem. Uh, and this is Vu from the Effortless Man podcast and Jules Serendipity signing out until next time. Cheers. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that chat between Jules and I. We uh, might have dwelled too deep into some of the things, but I'm sure there are people out there that appreciate that intricate amount of detail. So that's cool also. So yeah, wow, that um, was a big, big download of everything regarding mushrooms, tonic herbalism, and adaptogens. I learned so much from speaking to him and it's so cool to meet someone that's so passionate about what they do and also having a holistic view on self-healing because that's what these products does. It allows the body to pretty much use its innate intelligence to rebuild and revitalize itself and that's really all you really want in any compounds or any product that you introduce in your body you don't want it to do anything extreme or crazy all you really want is to bring it back into balance and as we can know and appreciate that living in this post-industrial revolution age in this modern time that there's so much that's out of balance at the moment. So whatever we can introduce into our life to bring back balance is definitely going to be worth its weight in gold. And I definitely think that some of these medicinal mushrooms and adaptogens that Jules mentioned definitely fits the bill. So check it out. I'll leave all the details of Tea Elixir below and also a special discount code that they have given me to offer to everyone that's listening which will give you 10% off the total of your order and I think if you order over a certain amount 
it's free shipping as well which is a bonus and I believe that if you buy in bulk like a few things um, I think you get an additional discount with that too and your health will only have you to thank for because I've really felt the difference in terms of using certain medicinal mushrooms and I definitely think that a lot of people can make good use out of them as well just because once again it brings the body back into balance just because we're thrown way off and also just letting the body does what it needs to do but also providing these extra constituents depending on what you use to help elevate certain areas of your health too so super exciting stuff super revelational stuff and it's really nothing new it's something that's been used for thousands of years by traditional tribes and people and we just bring it into light now just because we need it more than ever now and the most important thing is to understand what these things are doing in our body and I think this episode did just that to give you a base understanding of what's happening in our everyday life and what we can do. So if you got a lot out of this episode, please head over to the iTunes page or wherever you're listening to this podcast episode and give the show a five-star rating and also write a short review. I would really appreciate that because it means that this message, these podcast episodes gets to go out to more people and get more exposure and that way we can all benefit from the knowledge and the rich conversation that are contained within these show. Lastly, thank you so much again for tuning in. I really mean it. Yes, you, whoever's listening right now. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys tuning in to this first episode back on the Effortless Man podcast. It's been a while but I've got some more exciting episodes with guests and also solo episodes, which I call solo sodes, coming your way. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you're advised when new episodes are released. And yeah, we'll keep the conversation going. And thank you so much for lending me your ears and listening to this show wherever you are. I hope you have an amazing day and I hope especially for us the restrictions start to ease up even more and things will slowly go back to normal because this is definitely no way to live and it's been quite tough, especially for us in Melbourne, Victoria. So I feel you for those people that's struggling out there, but hopefully we don't have to struggle anymore and that, yeah, we uh, will get back to to living normally and um, being happy again. So... Thanks, guys. I'll uh, catch you on the next one.